You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 109, that's 109 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. And Happy New Year to all of our listeners and Happy New Year to Gina Militia, my wonderful co-host. Happy New Year, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Can you believe it? 2017. I know. Where does the time go? (laughs) Where does the time go? And, you know, I do think that seeing that that this is the start of a new year, we should celebrate, don't you think? Of course we should. Yeah. And how shall we celebrate? The only way we know how. Let's drink champagne, Val. <laughs> We're not in the same room, though. We're not but in the same is, room. This doesn't classify as drinking on your own because I'm drinking no, with no. you and yes. all the listeners. Yes. So, so what Gina yeah. and I have is Gina has a bottle of champagne on her end. Now, previously when we have done this, we've actually been in the same room. Yeah. Uh, but we now that can't Sharing always happen. <laughs> yes. So now Gina has one bottle at her end and I have one bottle of champagne on my end. So we're both actually going to open it now, right? Yeah. But I don't, I've never, no, he's, he's oh, see, I've always opened it for you. So this could be like, yes, Valerie. So this is the thing, right? Um, I'm using, you don't I'm know gonna, how to open your own champagne. I'm going to confess, I have never oh, opened a, a bottle princess. of champagne before <laughs> and I can't even get the wrapping off. Oh my goodness. Oh, you've already done it. Of course. Oh, I'm not even, I'm still trying to get the wrapping off. Oh, my God. I'm going to be drinking on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, I'm getting the wrapping off. Oh, okay, I better catch up. All right, so just in case you're wondering, this isn't drunk history or whatever. This is a podcast on photography, but Gina and I have worked really hard and um, we think that this, you know, the start of the new year is a good reason to celebrate because we're going to have a big one this year, aren't we, Gina? Yeah, yeah, we are. It's going to be huge. How do we do cheers at the screen? Well, can you just wait until I get the thing open because I'm still undoing the, you know, wire thing. I have never. While you're doing that, you know. All right, you do that. I have never (laughs) opened a bottle of champagne before in my life. This is. I'm a bit scared. Do you? Do you? Do you? (laughs) Do you? Do you just pull it out? (laughs) Do you? Did you twist it? Um, so you, just, uh, I'm you just can gonna... just like just get your thumb under it. It's like <laughs> push it. I'm too scared. I'm afraid it'll like explode. Or you just grab onto the end and pull it. And yes, we're talking about champagne. Okay, um, hang on. Yeah, you you 
do well you you share a link so Gina has a useful link that she would yeah. like to discuss while I'm wrestling with this bottle so I'm yeah so I found scared. a great uh, blog post on Petapixel about uh, there's a uh, couple of uh, guys who uh, run a um, a YouTube <laughs> <laughs> Okay. As Mallory got her cork off. <laughs> now we can pour. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, I'm pouring. Yeah, okay. So a couple of guys who run a YouTube uh, channel and uh, the, every year they uh, do a thing. They select, select the best and worst camera gear of 2016 oh. while getting drunk. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Okay, so, so um, which is pretty funny, and um, and basically, uh, so they they nominated the the best three lenses of 2016. So they gave honourable mention to the mm. Sigma 30 mil f 1.4. Sigma really mm. is the lens uh, third party lens manufacturer to look out for. They really are yes. uh, excellent, and I can um, testify to that. My 35 uh, millimeter 1.4 uh, that I bought is uh, one of my uh, favorite lenses. It's like it surprised me. I thought I'd have it and never use it. Wow. I, I just wanted it, but I've been using it a lot, and it's a great. It's a great. Um, it's a great lens. So it allows me to do. Um, uh, character portraits and and uh, mm. bring my bring my models right up close in the frame and get lots of detail in. It's a fast lens, so I can shoot inside with it. It's a sharp lens. Uh, so uh, the, the other one that they uh, mentioned is Nikon and one five. Nikon. 105. 105, mm-hmm. 1.4, and, uh, the, and uh, their, their uh, best uh, – and then number one was the Nikon um, EFS 70-200 f2.8. Oh, okay. So 70-200 uh, is a fantastic focal length. It's uh, probably my most used. It's my workhorse. I don't have the Nikon. I've got the Canon version of that, but uh, yep. that's a great focal lens for – particularly for shooting portraits and lifestyle, and uh, they mentioned the Sony G Master as their number two, 24 to 70, uh, 2.8, probably my least favourite of uh, any focal length in there, 24 to 70 for some reason. I don't know, it's like the gold reflector valve. Don't love it. Um, their worst okay. lens of 2016 was the Penthouse. Pentax, uh, Penthouse. Penthouse. <laughs> I haven't even had a drink, Val. No, I haven't even had uh, a I've sip. Got, yeah. <clears throat> Sh- shall we have a sh- sip? So we'll just uh, cheers. Okay. Uh, I'm going to cheers to the, to the... – what, what did clicking you just do against That's clever. Yep. Mm. There you go. Cheers. Cheers. Happy New Year, your, everyone. Your glass sounded a bit fancier than mine. It is a bit of fancy glass. Did you get the fancy glass out? I don't. I we did. don't have any left. I've been away <laughs> too much. There's been too many parties here. I could barely find a champagne glass. <laughs> All right. So the Pentax 15 to 30 millimeter f 2.8 was, was worst lens of 2016, and the worst. Uh, Hang on, I should mention the best three cameras. Uh, so honourable mention was the Canon EOS 80D. Mm. Uh, number three was the Fuji Film X-T2. Mm-hmm. Number two was the Pentax K1. And mm-hmm. number one was the Nikon D500. And uh, they put in mm. there 
worst cameras was um we don't have to discuss the worst we cameras we're Let's going to the start the year on a positive stuff. note yeah so uh if you want to have some uh have a laugh uh watch those guys i'll put a link in the show notes selecting the best and worst camera gear of 2016 or getting drunk <laughs> and you can <laughs> find the that. show notes you can find the show notes at ginamilitia.com that's m-i-l-i-c-i-a Right, so we will put that link in the show notes if you want to have a look, but we also want to give a shout-out to Kelly Baker Photography from Canada. Thank you so much to Kelly Baker Photography from Canada because she has left us a review on iTunes and she's called it Educational, Hilarious and Inspiring. Now, Kelly says, I'm writing from the east coast of Canada where I suppose I am in the beginner to pro category of my photographic journey or beginner pro category. And I cannot say enough amazing things about this podcast, which I accidentally stumbled upon and have listened to religiously ever since. The podcast is that perfect mix of information, informative, inspiring, down to earth and absolutely hilarious and leaves me both smiling and eager to pick up my camera after each and every listen. Gina is the opposite of that pompous gearhead we've all seen. I don't know who she's referring to. No. Yet she's full of infinite knowledge, experience and technical ability, which she is more than willing to share openly and honestly. When I'm feeling stuck or uninspired or overwhelmed with all the amazing talent I'm up against. I look to this podcast to help me find my own voice, my own story, and my next mini project. Whether you're just starting out or have been photographing for years, you will laugh, learn, and fall in love with your camera all over again. Thanks, Gina and Val. I now think about photography in an Australian accent. <laughs> That's great. I love it. That's very funny, love Kelly. It, Thank love you it. so much for that. How do you think about <laughs> photography in Australia? I can just picture all these people out there going, Dave, what do you reckon? Let's just whack a bit of light in here. Nah. That's that that that's crap. Can't you suck? <laughs> um, thank you so much, Kelly. Really, really appreciate it. And of course, if you do have, uh, if other listeners have thirty seconds to leave leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings. Now, apart from drinking champagne, this episode, one of the things that we did recently was asked in the Facebook group. And of course, if you're not familiar with the Facebook group, just go to Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and join us. It's free. Uh, But we asked in the podcast group what your questions are. So, and, and we realized that if somebody has the question often, other people have the same question as well. So we decided to dedicate this episode to your listener questions and hopefully you're going to find them useful. So the first one that we're going to start off with, now we are also, bear in mind everyone, we are drinking champagne at the same time. I can't see, like I normally top yours up. Where are you at, Val? I'm still on my first glass at this stage. Okay, good. Mm -mm -mm. I just had a sip then. Um, Good. Doesn't sound uh, like a sieve, like a gulp to me. Sorry, thirsty bell. (laughs) Now, this is a beautiful girls' school that they taught you to be ladies. Who were telling me about last year or the year before? So the thing also is that where you learnt to drink. 
<laughs> Neither Gina and I have had dinner yet, so we're no, checking on an empty stomach. So sorry. Yeah. So, uh, but good. You know, lucky for you, if your question comes up early in the episode, and if your question comes up more nearer towards the end, sorry. well, we'll just Guys see how we bed. go. Yes. All right. So. First question is from Phil N. Uh, getting even lighting on groups. Phil says, I don't mean flat lighting. I mean, how do you light multiple people in the one image? Mine tend to be obvious which one is closer to the light source. Yeah, well, great question. Should I yeah. start shooting them individually and moving the light each time? And presumably film means shooting them individually and then compositing them in yes. post. Okay, that is a really good question. I like yes, it. it. So, yeah. Yes. Go, Gina. Because uh, it tackles lots of uh, things that I've always wanted to talk about and so now I've got an opportunity. But it's going to get technical, Val, and it's okay. going to involve maths. Okay. But, but I'm, I'm going to water it down because I've busted out my Lego figures to describe right. this, so you, I'm just going to... You have Lego figures? Yes, I do. I've okay. kept all mine. From when you were little. So it gets geekier, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love my Lego. So don't you laugh at me, mm. Valerie Koo. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Have you really kept I your kept, Lego figures from yeah, you were little? Yeah, I kept all my Lego, yeah. And now I, I brought it so because uh, I let my son play with it. And then your, when he grew your up, son's I, twenty. Yes, when he grew up, I took it <laughs> no, back off him. No, he's twenty-one. Yeah, he's twenty-two now. He's twenty-two. And oh, uh, yeah, and then and then I kept it all because it's like you know, okay, it's collect. It makes me happy, Valerie. And so right. I'm so happy with having rediscovered my Lego to describe this particular style of lighting that you look out for an entire series of uh, Lego-inspired shots. Oh my I'm going to do. Okay. Right. And the cover of this week's podcast has uh, the, the the actual the the so tell a light the figures that I use because because I, uh, I couldn't get my hands on the Lego because it's actually stored. It is uh, f- faux Lego. What <laughs> Lego? Are you serious? Like, it's like it's like knockoff Lego. Because I, I, yeah, I just went and bought a pack of uh, oh. little Lego, Lego figurines, but it's not the real deal. But you can't tell in a photo. Okay. Right. So let's just get that clear for any you know Lego snobs that might be uh, scrutinising my Lego okay. figures. Okay. Okay. Out there. There's people like love Lego Val. I, I get I it. You, let's move on from the Lego now. <laughs> so. <clears throat> Great question, Phil. Um, if you want to create a group shot where you want to have some mood to your lighting um, and you really want to have that distinctive shape and there was really a whole um, genre that developed sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, last decade, the end of last decade and into this decade where you would see the uh, highlights running down the sides of each cheek on a, a, a model and then the, the face is perfectly lit and you would see uh, people lined up where everyone had exactly the same lighting and it was perfect. Now, mm. um, people look at that and they go, wow, that looks great. It looks like they're lit from the back. Uh, how amazing. But the only way to achieve that with a group shot is to photograph everyone individually. So uh, what mm. Phil suggested by uh, shooting... Uh, uh, you know, 
setting up your shot, putting all your models into place, and uh, it basically becomes a composite where you, you so you lock off your focus, lock off your camera, make sure nothing moves, and then you just take a series of plates of images of the shots and uh, you basically, if you had, uh, you've got your fill light that's going to basically light the bodies and the background of everyone and then you've got your um, main light that's going to be the hero light that creates the shape on the face. You can mm. have like a small beauty dish uh, or a small octa and then you would go onto each individual face and light them and then after in Photoshop you'll comp that together so you'll take all the individual shots and merge it to become one shot, right? Yes. Uh, the other way to do it is you shoot everyone individually and then you comp them together as a group shot, and I do a lot of that. Uh, all the sort of cast shot shots seem to be shot that way, and the reason we do it that way is often we can't get everyone in the same room together at the same mm. time. So These are television the, casts the, and film casts. So yep. television casts. So mm -hmm. that's that's the other way to do it. Um, but the other thing that you should be aware of uh, when you're shooting, because you mentioned uh, in your question that uh, when uh, it's obvious that the who is closer to the light source, and um, mm. because they're brighter, and then mm. as the as the group go back into the distance, the light falls off uh, quite rapidly, and you get so your your front person's brightly lit, and your back people are sort of a, a little bit in shadow, and even if you move the light higher up. Um, um, it still has that effect. So the reason for that, Valerie, mess, mess. and science. And okay. it's something called, okay, get ready. I'm about I'm ready. to explain I'm a ready. law of physics, Val. Should you do while that while you're drinking in, champagne? Uh, probably not, but like, I'm going to have a really good crack at it. Okay. So hopefully I'll get it right. So, okay. um, so. Basically, the, uh, the the in physics, there's a law called the inverse square law, and uh, I'm just going to describe the scientific description for that, and then I'll give you my <laughs> breakdown of what it, it means in, in Gina language. So okay. in physics, an inverse square law is any physical law stating that a specified physical quantity or intensity <laughs> – this is not mm. a good idea when you've been drinking mm. – is inversely proportional to the square of the distance from the source of the physical quantity. Huh? Right. So, just explain that back to me, Val. No, <laughs> no I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> so, basically, put, and this actually applies to not the the inverse square law applies to lighting. It also applies to sound um, and some other stuff that I can't remember right now. But like, we're oh, gonna no, talk I get about. It. Yeah, so basically I've done some photos and some diagrams okay. that um, if you're having trouble following, uh, I really uh, – I, I don't often say this, at night, and I like to have this podcast so you don't need to refer uh, to the show notes, and we'll do our best to describe each, fo each photo as, uh, as best we can. But if you've got a moment um, later on uh, when you're out of the car or, you know, um, in front of a, a computer – or you've got some time, have a look at the show notes because if you get this uh, and understand this law of lighting, it's going to change your life, seriously, because okay. it, it just puts everything 
into perspective so well that it'll make lighting, working with lighting so much easier from here on in. So basically put, light traveling from its origin, so it could be a torch, it could be a speed mm-hmm. light, it could be yep. a studio flash yep. or a lightsaber valve. Of course, the lightsaber. Okay. It Got starts a few of those. It's st- you have? <laughs> You've got no, some lights. Bet you I, do. I used I, to. No, I don't anymore. Bet you no, no, do. I used to. Yeah. So mm. I've got Lego. You've got lightsabers. <laughs> That's like geek over geek. It cancels out. Um, <laughs> so basically put light traveling from its origin, torch, <laughs> flash, lightsaber, starts to dim at an exact mathematical formula based on one over... The distance travelled from source multiplied by the distance travelled from source or squared. So basically um, it's the the light as it travels, so it leaves the source, it's very bright, and then it starts to dim um, in, in, in increments. But at the start, where it's closest to the light, it's very bright. And so you can be, uh, you can have someone standing right in front of the light and you can have someone a metre behind. The distance between the person at the front and the person behind, it's going to drop off dramatically by a quarter yeah. in fact, right? If it's a, the distance is two metres, okay. right? And then if you put someone back another two metres, the fall-off starts to diminish. So in every lighting scenario, there's an actual sweet spot that if you position all your models in that spot, you're going to find that the light's going to be a, uh, a lot more even. So if you look at the first image that I've taken, so basically what I've done is I've got a torch and uh, I've put it on the ground and I've photographed it from above. And you can see that you've got where the light comes out, you've got the bright point, and then it it falls off uh, right to the end into darkness. But somewhere in the middle of the spot, there's this this really, there's this large area where the light is fairly even. It doesn't fall off at all. And so when you're shooting groups, uh, I find that if you back the light off, and put them in that sweet spot somewhere in the middle, you will get far more even lighting. And so I've also done a little diagram uh, that shows uh, how rapid the fall-off is um, from the start to the finish. Like, knowing this, Val, you can Mm. actually uh, work with your portrait lighting. And this is basically, if you look at that, uh, the top image where you've got the torch, where the light comes out and it falls off, this is garage lighting. Describe. So you'll have a, a light source. It's very bright at the, the front, and then it falls off to darkness in the back. So if you position someone right in the hot spot of that light and take a reading of their face, everything behind them is going to register as black. Yes. The fall-off is going to be so rapid. So you can work with that if you want to create really dark backgrounds. Yeah. If you want to... No, yep. go on, you go on. Hang on, I've just got to have another – I've just got to pour another glass because this is – Well, while, while, Jean is, while Jean is doing that – How um, does it make sense or does it just all sound yes. like dribble? So while Jean is doing that – I hear that, the aha moment in your head, so yeah. that's when I know I'm on a good thing. <laughs> so my point with that is 
that, um, uh, as Gina said, we usually try and record these podcasts so you don't have to look at the show notes, but this is really useful. And when once you look at these diagrams, you will see that there is that sweet spot. So basically what Gina's saying is that if you are right in front of the light source, then obviously the intensity is kind of massive. And if you're just behind uh, that that if you're if you're if if you're just behind that first person let's just say we're talking about people then there is a certain drop off then if you go another bit there's a certain level of drop off but if you go another bit there's a certain level of drop off and so on until it goes to black but as Gina mentioned because of the mathematical formula of the way it drops off there is and you'll see in these diagrams there is a sweet spot somewhere around the middle where the light is fairly even in that whole band that's what you're saying yes. right so yeah, yeah. She, Gina's, Gina's got some actual um, real examples with the fake Lego the figo, um, and you will see, you, you'll be able to visually see that there is that actual sweet spot. And I never knew this. It's, this is great, Gina. So I do, inc- what it's I'm trying to say good, is. It's it's good for you. It's good for you for your filming, isn't it, to know this? Yes, definitely. But, like, I, I mm-hmm. definitely, what I'm trying to say is I do encourage you to have a look at some of the images in the show notes, uh, if you can, which are at ginamilitia.com, M-I-L-I-C-I-A, because uh, I think that hopefully the penny will drop for you too, as it just did for me. So... The thing with lighting, Val, is it's uh, everything you think you know, it's counterintuitive. So um, what I've done Mm. is uh, these diagrams you can see, uh, I've I've, uh, shot a torch from uh, above and uh, sort of uh, created a diagram that's to scale. So let's imagine that my little Figo men Mm -hmm. are actually uh, real life-size men and uh, the the lines on the – I've I've created uh, lines across the diagram that represent spaces of two metres. Now, if you were to look at a diagram like this – you would imagine that if you had your model right up next to the light and then you had your next model uh, back off by, uh, say, two metres, that the, 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 the light would actually halve in, in power, right? That's what you, you go, yeah, it's about halfway. So you will, we'll call it the power drops by half, but it right. actually drops by a quarter. And this is where the math yes. comes in. So stay with me. Okay. So if we've got a, a distance from the source, which is yep. the light yep. or the lightsaber in your case, mm. Valerie Koo, yes. uh, of two metres, yes. it's one over two multiplied by two. Two squared becomes Four. a quarter. Right. Well done. Did you start? You probably were really good at math as well. Well, two squared is four, but one, yeah. but one yeah. over yeah. four is a quarter. Yeah. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if we were to move um, another figure three meters back, yep. what would that be? So it'd be one over three squared. So it'd be one over nine. Fantastic. So the uh, power of the light three metres from the light is a ninth of the power. Of the light. Yes. Got it. And two metres is a quarter and four metres is? One sixteenth. Which, yeah, fantastic. So that's basically the inverse square law explained, okay? So uh, 
it, it drops off uh, rapidly at the start and then we get to the sweet spot. And so by the time you get to five metres away, it's one over. One. Twenty five. And six yeah. metres away. Thirty six. Yeah, so it's not as rapid because it goes from zero to a quarter in two meters. Right. So the and that's basically the inverse square law. So it gets to a point right. where it kind of stops falling off, and you get that sweet spot. And so when you're shooting really large groups, like if you've got a group of say thirty people, the best way to light them is to back your lights off and have your, your group positioned in that sweet spot. All right? I love so, this. So basically don't, don't, don't be concerned. It's not like you need to draw lines on you and get your calculator out and remember the math. You don't need to remember the formula. Just remember the following. The closer your subject is to the light, the faster the light drops away. And mm. this is a really cool thing to remember. And I really – I said this um, a couple of episodes back, Val, where I actually encouraged everyone to um, get a torch. Mm. And a few episodes back, I think it was, get a torch, get yourself like a, a G.I. Joe or a, a Barbie or a, you know – dollar doll it doesn't matter anything <laughs> with a face okay. but or a superhero or Darth Vader it doesn't matter and sit in a dark room with the torch and just move the torch around and watch what happens and if you've got um two you know Darth Vader and can you name another Star Wars figure Kenobi, so, one Kenobi. no he doesn't work because he's little so let's do superheroes. So Kylo say, Ren. No, I don't want to talk about Star Wars. So you, you brought got, it up. Say <laughs> so you got like Superman and Batman and Robin okay. and Wonder Woman, right? Okay. So if you line them up and you put Wonder Woman in the front where she should be and then mm. Superman like a metre behind and then you put Robin three metres behind and who's left? Batman. Batman like five metres behind, and mm -hmm. you bring the torch right up close to Wonder Woman and you expose for her face, she's going to be brightly lit, but what happens is the other superheroes are going to be uh, not as well lit because you're not in the sweet spot. You're in the brightest part yeah. of the torch and the fall-off is quite rapid. But yeah. where this comes in really handy is if you're doing um, single shots and if you want to create um, – a more intense shadow on the face um, and you want rapid fall off. So if you want split lighting or a really good sort of Rembrandt where you've got one side of the face lit and then you've got like uh, a shadow side to the other face and you're even just using window light, bring your model um, closer to the window the fall off is going to be more rapid. You're just replicating this sort of light. Yes, yes. And you can also use this with garage light, where you can turn your model to the side, so uh, half their light, half their face is in light, and the other side will rapidly fall off. And it's it's hard to imagine. It does, just doesn't make sense to talk about it. The seeing. Um, it, the believing is in the seeing, Val. So once yep. you see it and it's like as simple as going to a thrift shop, picking up a simple 
pen light torch, just a little torch, getting yourself a little action figure and just having a look at what <laughs> happens. And honestly, like I got um, – and just wait, there'll be podcast covers with this guy. I got like a wrestler. <laughs> you mean a, le- a Fego wrestler? He's not Fego. He's like he's Barbie size because I couldn't bring myself to oh. buy a Barbie because actually I don't. I just don't like Barbie dolls. I never had dolls as a child, so oh. I, I like the wrestler because he's he's got like commando pants. He's got like army pants on. He's got that whole army vibe coming on, okay. but he's got he's got no shirt on, and uh-huh. he's got like rippling muscles. But but oh, why am can... I not surprised that you bought this gun? That's not surprising but, at all. But with the torch, you can actually work out how to how to best light a body to get the most definition in 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 the muscles. You can see the angle the light needs to be on to get mm. lots of definition. <laughs> you can see if you put the light flat to the body suddenly um there's no definition you can't see the muscles you can see uh what beauty lighting looks like it's it's such a handy way to learn and it's it's probably more fun if you did it to like a real yeah but it's harder to do because like you don't actually have lights that are powerful enough to see flash is doing because it's like you've got flash still a good Uh, excuse it's still like we've done it in real life pal really honestly um but it's hard to it's hard to have um uh continuous lighting that's powerful enough and to have a room that's dark enough where you can Mm. do this exercise so in a you know in a in five minutes with a five dollar investment, yep. you learn everything there is to know about lighting. I guarantee it's such an eye opener, and you learn all these little formulas. You'll work out how to do split lighting. You'll work out how to do Rembrandt lighting, and you'll work out how to do um, good body lighting. But I digress, Val. Um, yes. Hang on, I just have another sip. So just well, talk. while Gina's having another sip, like when you do, if you do, make it to the show notes and look at Gina's. Lego, fake Lego. Somehow she's managed to buy the village people. I did. You know, I, did. I didn't mean to. Y, remember YMCA and the milkshake and <laughs> young man. I lined so, all up and I was like, oh my god, it's, it's the, the village, village people. people. Mm. <laughs> I loved the village people. Me too. But like very later on in life when they were like not as great, but I loved them. Oh my god! Mm. Um, so if uh, if you get a chance to look at the show notes, and we'll do our very <laughs> best to uh, talk our way through this. What I did is um, I got my Fego Village people, and I lined them up, and I did two variations of the shoot. The first one is where I. Um, had uh, hang on, which one is he? The the one in the front, the construct. That's construction the one I actually like. I've just me recreated too. my childhood. Me too, me too. I like the construction. Who did you like the, the least? Um, I don't know, but I think you know because they you were like out. The I really like the Indian one too. I thought oh, yeah, he was yeah. like work of the Indian, and because yeah. Uh, I can't remember. The cop was pretty cool too. Yeah, man, I like him. I wasn't so yeah. into the cowboy. Oh, really? Yeah, so much. But um, the he's pretty prominent in my shot, so yeah, probably. He is. 
little Gina like the cowboy. Um, yeah, Mustava. Uh, so, <laughs> um, what I did is I had the construction worker at the front, and he yes. is in the hot spot of the light, so very, yes. very close to the light. Intense. He's he's brightly lit, and this is where intuitively you'd light the shot this way. So you've got your your figure at the front, and then um, a couple of meters back, I've got my. Um, the policeman and the cowboy, yeah. and then a metre beyond them, I've got uh, another – I doubled up on the policeman, Val. Yeah, okay, what that's all right. the guy on the other side? What, what is he, the ring-in? He looks like a janitor. Really... Yeah, I know. No. <laughs> so, it's, so like, it's like the fifth the beetle. In, one of the village people called in sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the no, no. It's, it's like I said, it's like the fifth beetle. You know, it's just, it's just not as sexy, is it? What not a shame! Quite, I, know. I should have paid more attention. You anyway, and then right at the very back, we've mm. got uh, the motorcycle cop. I imagine, yeah, the reflective glasses on, and also like another hard hat, or he could be another. I don't know what he is, but what you notice is, and this is typical of uh, group shot lighting, and I know I had this issue all the time, could never work it out. The person at the front uh, gets the majority of the brightness of the light you expose yeah. to him yeah. and the light rapidly falls off and the rest of my Fego village people are kind of st- – the, the light's falling off and um, it looks like the construction guy is the hero of the shot, as he should be, but in a group <laughs> shot, like if this was the village people, they yeah. would – because they'd be going, oh, the construction guy always gets in line. He's always on the I front. Know. They don't need to do that. They carry on about They don't they like knowing do. him. He's like, the lead singer mm. of the village people. Yeah. But, see, it was the, I don't, it was the, yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, so to counter that, uh, yes. applying the inverse square law, yes. all we need to do is back the light up a little bit. Or back and, them up a little bit. If you, if, the, if you can't move the light, right? If you can't move, move the light source. But generally, it's easier to move your models than it is to Well, not if it's a window. Sorry, it's easier to move the light. Oh, fair enough. If it's window light, move your models. Yeah. But if, it, if it's garage lighting, move your models into the frame a bit more till you get them into the sweet spot. If you've yeah. got artificial lighting, um Either if you've got space, move your models or move your light. Um, yeah. I also recommend that uh, when you're lighting this sort of shot, that um, unless you're going to do it as an individual composite, you kind of need to work with uh, harder light is very difficult with groups because what happens is you get the shadow casting on uh, each other if you've got a very hard light. So you need to work with diffuse light. Um, mm. So start with umbrellas and uh, you can actually uh, move on to soft boxes uh, from there if you want to get a bit more shape in the light. But use this as a basis, find that sweet spot, and then if you wanted to from there, um, Phil, who asked the question, yes. uh, you can add a bit more shape. So if you uh, see, what I did is once I moved uh, the village people into mm. the sweet spot, mm. you get – a beautifully lit and very sexy band shot, don't you think? 
shots are very even good. Very yeah, good. Back loop there. And if I had more time, oh my god, I was going to do them on a road. I was going to have dust <laughs> and smoke. <laughs> it just makes me so happy. You just amuse yourself, don't you? I don't need anything really. I could just be happily locked in a room by myself for hours. How it, so here's the thing. Yeah. We, you know, people complain about, like, I can't find models, I can't. Well, just bust out your Lego. Yeah, Lego. Lego, if you can't afford, because Lego's expensive, you know. Yes. Expensive. Um, and so are lightsabers. <laughs> they expensive. are. They're not cheap, you know. they be a geek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 so, but you can, you can, um, Work on your lighting and understanding lighting with a $2 torch and a $5 yeah. set of Fego. You can um, create all these different scenarios and <laughs> mark my words, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm so <laughs> so excited by this idea. So um, I love this. this. It, it, now, I want to – I think we should give a name to the sweet spot because in, that would make sense, spot. right? It's the sweet spot. I think okay. it is. I just call it that the sweet spot where where um where the light is evenly lit, you know? Can you think of a sexier term? I think I think this not like the twilight zone. Oh, how no, about the, the twilight, twilight zone? It's a something okay, zone because the sweet spot is used for so many things, you know. Least, I think it needs to be unique because I've really learned something seriously today. I had no idea about this. Well, I'm really um, pleased. Mel. It's 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 great, but I think we should give it a name. Leg to Figo with the okay. village people All taught right. you so, how to light. It's the Fego spot. So from this I hope point on, it it's have any other connotation. Yeah, oh no, it might be in another language. Um, okay, but anyway, it's it's the Fego spot that it's going to be known as from this point forth. You know, it's part of Gina lingo, just like Hans is and Jan and Kaka. Well, now there's the Fego zone. Sorry, Fego zone. Oh, Fego zone. That's great, Val. Yeah, Fego zone. Okay. You should All right, do this so, for a living. Yeah, I know. So we're going to move on from the Fego zone. So, Phil, you got a really long answer to that one. (laughs) Sorry, you nearly got the whole episode, but, like, that's what happens when I drink and – So we're going to move on to a couple of people have asked some questions and we're kind of grouping them into how to overcome imposter syndrome, which is something that many of us – do suffer from. Uh, So Elise has said that one of her biggest challenges is feeling authentic or legitimate as a photographer. Um, And she says, would love to know how to stop feeling like a fraud or an imposter. And similarly, Kai has said that one of the biggest challenges is getting the courage to ask people to model for me in this portfolio building stage where I don't really have much of my work to show, how to go about it, how to talk to myself, like imposter syndrome here too, how to convince people. Okay, so really they're kind of those questions combined are how to stop feeling like a fraud and obviously get over imposter syndrome and as part of that getting the courage to ask people to model for for you. 
Yeah, that's right. well, good so questions. They are great questions. Let's uh, first explain what imposter syndrome or imposter experience actually is. And okay. I just want to um, let uh, uh, Kai and Elise know that pretty much 80% of the population will experience imposter syndrome uh, in their lives. And it's, I would say it's, 95%. Yeah, probably. I, I was being trying to be conservative. Maybe Val, more? But, like, you know, because I tend to exaggerate everything, so I was just trying really? to be conservative. Yeah, well, no, really? <laughs> <laughs> so... Imposter syndrome is a feeling that you don't belong, that everyone yeah. else is better than you. So, like, I felt it on my first day at art school in at university. It's like, what am I doing here? Oh, my God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Everyone else is a better artist. I felt it at the first day of every job I've ever had. I even yeah. felt it uh, – when I was the first, when I became a mother and I brought the kids home, <laughs> I actually don't know what I'm doing. And I can guarantee you that every mother has the same. They don't give you a manual. So no. you're, you feel like you're supposed to know. And even like the first time you bring a new kitten or a new puppy home, oh. you're going, well, what am I supposed to do here? I feel like an imposter. I know. You know? Thank God so, for Google, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. So, but even, with Google, you kind of feel like um, you think in your head that everyone knows all this stuff intuitively and you're mm. the only person in the world that feels like that. So I want to tell you um, both and everyone who – and <laughs> the other 95% of the population that have ever had these feelings, this is mm. perfectly normal and we all experience these feelings and they're kind of a way of uh, protecting ourselves. So it's like a self protection mechanism so it's that um fear of being found out oh my god if people find out then i'm not really uh that good at this or i don't really know what i'm doing i'm going to be kicked out of the tribe which is as a survival instinct you know back in the stone age in the caveman days that is probably the worst thing that could happen to be kicked out of the tribe meant that you you wouldn't survive you would die it's the tribe that protected you so it's a really um sort of uh basic primal instinct to 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 fear that so um it's not true that you're the only person that feels that way and sort of the high you know when you uh, have high expectations or high achievements it, it brings more attention and I tend to find that the more I care about something the more I care about imposter syndrome so I'm I'm pretty sure that when I had my cafe job uh, uh-huh. you, you know, where it was a like a part-time job, and it 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 like it, it I didn't feel like I, I that that strongly as an imposter. I just wanted to get the job done, but I wasn't. It didn't feel as much as like the first time I stepped in front of uh, someone to take their photo. I really felt it like in a big way, and you know, I, I've experienced it a lot, so I, I totally totally relate. So it is right. part of. The human condition. So here's what to do about it. Like the fact that you've mentioned it, you've named it, you've put a light to it, that's going to help. You Like it's real. It's a real feeling and uh, when you name it and and um, and like accept it and uh, understand and notice those thoughts that you're having them, that, that's going to help a lot. The other thing that I, I really encourage you to do 
is uh, really work on your programming, your inner program. So what you think becomes what you feel, you become. So like if you're constantly thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, you start, you, your body doesn't know the difference between something that's real and something that's perceived and so it'll start to believe it. So you want to get mm. yourself out of that spiral of negative thinking. So mm. – um, the best analogy I can think of, Val, is uh, when I take Gaza for a walk in the mornings, there's this park that we That's cut across. That's Gina's dog. Yes. <laughs> a park that we cut across. Yes. And it's just before we see the kangaroos, and I'm not just making that up for effect. <laughs> there really are, and I know that's how cool does that sound, but there are three kangaroos, uh, and it's only when I'm up very, very early that I will see them, and it's the father, the mother, and the joey. And it, I, like, yeah. I, even as an Australian, uh, get a shock every time I see them. So it's, it's such a beautiful sight to yes. see them standing there, and the father is like about seven foot tall and he's ripped Val <laughs> he's ripped so kangaroos are quite muscular and Gina strong Gina isn't they joking could, because where I used to live there, there were 12 kangaroos who lived there so Gina yeah. isn't joking but it's Just, the coolest sight isn't it yes it is it's beautiful um, so but there's a shortcut that we would cut through um across some long grass and everyone uses this as a shortcut. And so the fact that every day people are walking across that path means that the grass is uh, beaten down and it becomes a pathway. So Mm -hmm. either side of it, you've got the tall grass and then there's like uh, this sort of metre wide path that's just been, it's it's not a manufactured path, it's been trodden down by people walking the same trail back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, every day and that's exactly the same thing that happens to your brain when you have these repetitive thoughts about your insecurities and self-doubt on not good enough uh, imposter not good enough not worthy not good enough not worthy you're playing that record over and over again Mm. ad nauseum and you're creating this groove and this path and you're flattening down and you're programming your brain to actually think like that so the way to um Uh, get rid of that pathway and to reprogram your brain is to train yourself to a new way of thinking. And the first thing you need to do is every time you think that thought, try and catch yourself and notice it and ask yourself, well, is that true? Is it? Am I not good enough? Do I belong here? I do. Who would? Who could um, back that up? Ask no, someone. Can I suggest something with that? Because I totally, I'm in total agreement with everything you've just said, Gina. But some people ask themselves that question and they go, "Do I really belong here?" And they go, "No, I don't," because uh, they can't help it. But one thing I just want to point out is that I truly believe that if you feel imposter, you you can only feel imposter syndrome when you actually have quite a deep level or high level of knowledge about something because if you had a very shallow or very little uh, level of knowledge about something, you actually think you're great because <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't know what yeah. you don't know, yeah. right? So that's why, you know, if you actually don't know much about something and you, you, you think that's all there is, it's easy. But when if you actually feel imposter syndrome, 
you actually do have a deeper level of knowledge about something. So as Gina said, catch yourself out, acknowledge the fact that you're feeling it, and but logically tell yourself, I'm feeling this because I have a deeper no- level of knowledge than a lot of people about it. And then please continue, Gina. Yeah. And uh, and then um, – and that's great, Val. And, and then um... – the other thing, and this is going to uh, really take you to the next level and the level after that, you will only ever get as far as you believe you deserve to be. So you need to find ways to train your mind to uh, be able to uh, back yourself, to learn to um deprogram whatever it is a, a lifetime of programming has uh, put some of those thoughts in your mind and and some people um have heard their whole life that they're not good enough or they'll never make it and it you know it might have been mm. a role model that said something to you when you were very very young and you weren't in a position to distinguish that that person only said that because they didn't like themselves which yes. is the, the, where all criticism comes from, all criticism has nothing to do with you. Anything mm. anyone says to you actually has nothing to do with you. It's all coming from their own uh, stuff. Uh, but, you know, when you're young, you, you don't have the emotional intelligence to deal with that. So finding um, any uh, uh, books you can read or any um, practices you can do that are going to help you with that. So like learning to, to sort of heal yourself within and doing all that inner work is really important if you're going to uh, forge ahead. And that's what, you know, when you have that confidence in yourself and you know that no matter what you do, you are enough is going to make a huge difference to your success in the world and how you tackle anything. So Kai, being able to approach people and have the confidence to ask them, you need to have the confidence in yourself and, you know, it being okay with someone saying no. When someone says no to you, guess what? The sky does not fall down. The world doesn't end. You don't go home in shame. All it means is someone said no and all that means is it's got nothing to do with you. They're too busy or they've got their own hang-ups that they're dealing with, it's not personal. So when you try and rationalise that and learn to have the uh, faith in your ability and confidence in yourself to be able to say, you know what, if someone says no to me, that's cool. I'll just ask someone else. There's another. How many billion people are there in the world? Lots. Six, eight? Lots. Lots of billion people in the world, mm. Kai. Just move on to the next person. If that one didn't want it, they're lost, not yours. Definitely. And I think also that a couple of things. Number one, um, a lot of people would actually be flattered if you ask them to model for you. Oh, but my God, also, yes. Yeah, totally flattered. But also, and one of the things that I tell the writers that I mentor is that it is – it, it is exactly that. It's not personal. When you're approaching somebody to pitch someone with an idea or something that you want to write about, like approaching an editor, if they say no, it's not actually personal, how could it possibly be personal because they don't even know you? Um, so just do it anyway, you know, because it is a numbers game. It's like dating. Um, but anyway, that that's it's like dating. I wish there was a Tinder for photographers. That would be <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. Will you match the photographer with the client? 
Yeah, that's a great idea. Swipe left, swipe right. Swipe right, yeah, cool. Um, (laughs) All right, so that's, yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else we want to cover about imposter syndrome or shall we move on to the next question? I reckon we've covered that pretty well, don't you, Val? Yeah, I hope you find that useful, Elise and Kai. Yes, thank you for the question. So. We're going to move on to Natalie has said, my plan for 2017 is to more actively seek out projects rather than wait for it to come to find me. That's good. That's good. So um, a lot, uh, some guidance on how to market ourselves better using social media and any other suggestions would be welcome. Now, similarly, Christy has asked, I would like to know how to gain more exposure for my work slash attract more clients. I use social media. I have a good website, but I just don't seem to be getting, gaining any headway at all. My goal in 2017 is to go from semi-pro to full-time pro photographer. All right, cool. I love this question. This is good. So basically it's all about how to market yourself better and get, you know, better projects or or, or attract more clients. Right, Val, do you want to go with this one? Sure. Okay. Well, I guess in the first instance, it's building the right foundation. The right foundation is having some kind of website so that, not because I think the website is the be all and end all or anything like that. In fact, it's probably possibly even your Instagram that's going to get you more work, but people do need to have a findable place for you to be found. And and that means if, uh, you know, usually that is your website. Now, your website needs to explain who you are, but it needs to showcase some of your work as well, as in your photography, of course. But also you need to think about what people are Googling. So often it's geographic because a photographer is needs to be somewhere. <laughs> you know, in a physical place, right? So they're looking for wedding photographer, Sydney, or portrait photographer, Melbourne, or landscape photographer, Arizona, you know, whatever. So depending on your location and your type of photography. Now, even if you say, oh, well, I'll photograph anything, you need to think about the thing you would like to photograph the most, whether that is landscapes or fitness photography or portraits or pets or whatever, right? Um, you can still photograph other, other things, but think about what people are Googling. So make sure that you have that on your website, Pet Photographer Tennessee or um, Fitness Photographer Denmark, not not Denmark, um, Copenhagen. So, you know, quite specific. And make sure that uh, you have that on your webpage so that when people are Googling that, they may not Google your name because they haven't heard of you yet. But if they're Googling pet photographer Surrey in the UK, then ideally yours Very is good what geographical comes knowledge, up. Val. <laughs> Very impressed. I couldn't bang. I'd just be going... <laughs> Melbourne names at this point. <laughs> oh, no, it's because I went, me and my um, team went to trivia last night, you know, pub trivia. Uh-huh. And then. And I'm so excited. Did like you this, win? Th- no, of this never happens, did. right? Not only did we what? win, this never happens because sometimes we didn't, we don't do so good. But not only did we win, we won every single prize Was across gracious? the whole night. Yes, we shared our winnings. Win- 
Good. Yes. But like, seriously, we want every single prize That's as impressive. in all of the little prizes between rounds and stuff. Anyway, there was a bit of geography there and was stuff. Was there a meat tray? There wasn't a meat tray that night, but we won Which like. Which is usually the Australian pub sort of yeah. uh, prize is a no, meat we, tray. Well, we won a seafood tray the week before. A seafood tray? <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding and you did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> no, but not this particular night, but a week ago we won the seafood tray. Um, anyway, so this particular night um, we won um, uh multiple drinks, jugs of beer and $50 voucher to spend at, at some bar? point. Uh, on anything, yeah, whatever. Wow. Mm. That's so impressive. We'll probably go back tomorrow. But anyway. Well, yeah, so you have good uh, general knowledge, Val. Well, no, no. I mean, it was a team effort. But, um, yeah, anyway, I, we digress, really, with this campaign. <laughs> so make sure that what the kind of photography you want to be known for and your location is yeah. something where if people Google, they can find you. You Having passed out one for Canada? Canada, for Nova Scotia. Well done. <laughs> um, what about South America? Chile. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> Santiago. Yeah, I was going to say Santiago. Step. Yes. Huh? Yeah, well, there you go. No, because I accidentally landed there but with like by accident. You were stuck there because a volcano because the exploded. Volcano. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, apart from that, I think that you, 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 a picture speaks a thousand words. So I think that you need to obviously showcase your photography. Now, you might do that on your website, but often I think for photographers, I believe that Instagram is a really good way to go. I know that you, Gina, have actually gotten jobs as a result of Instagram like because mm. people have seen not just jobs but campaigns and good entire, jobs. you know, really good clients because mm. of, of Instagram. So, um yeah, definitely. Instagram is the way to go as as well. Um, what else do you suggest, Gina? Okay, so um, I'm going to go a bit more grassroots in my advice, uh, okay. Val. So basically uh, uh, I would uh, say to um, in your community to start out really with a grassroots campaign and that's basically uh, getting to know the community and um, – Maybe starting you mean out your geographic with, community. Yeah, your geographic right. community. Okay. So getting in there as a starting point, and it's really about like I, I, like social media has been great to me, Val. But like for the first. 15, 20 years of my career, I didn't really get any leverage from social media. Because but what, social media didn't exist in the first 15 I to 20 know. years of your so, – <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no, but my, I was going to make a point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Saying that, have another drink, Val. <laughs> All right. How much have you – have you finished the bottle? Oh, Rexy's come to visit. Sorry, you Rocky? He's downstairs watching yeah, you don't the, care the about cricket. Rocky. I do. Anyway, keep you going. Um, but, like, so I didn't have social media, but what I did um, do, and uh, this is uh, 
like I did this without any instruction or anyone saying this is how you grow a business is I'm genuinely interested in other people and um, I make a genuine attempt to forge relationships. So uh, what I do is when I meet people, I, I want to know about them. Um, I um, uh, like will spend time with them and uh, like make a real effort to make sure that um, – it, the, the, the time that I spend with them and the conversation that I have with them is authentic and sincere and uh, and uh, that was my grassroots campaign. So I grew my business basically like a lot of my clients I kept for many, many years based on the fact that uh, when, when I work with them, I cared about the product, uh, I cared about them, uh, I took an interest in them personally and um, I, I wanted to make sure that uh, I looked after them. Uh, along the way. So uh, I think networking is really important and I think people these days are gung-ho about like let's get uh, on Instagram and have, you know, 50,000 followers. But like it's very easy to like another person's photography. It's just a matter of, a, 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 a you know, a, a flick and it's liked. But to actually uh, want to engage that photographer and work with them is, is a lot more difficult. So I think um, people underestimate the power of the sort of the grassroots connection and getting in and getting in with your community. So there's lots of things you can do. Um, you can approach – and it – Guys, it involves a bit of work and you've got to leave the office and you've got to get away from the computer. I don't believe that emailing people, taking call, uh, responding to uh, a sales call via email is the way to go. I think it's the personal approach. So if anyone ever um, uh, emails you asking for a quote, whenever I re receive a request for a quote, I always email back and ask when a good time to speak to the person is and I always ring them personally and uh, before I, I discuss anything to do with money, I always uh, ask them what it is that they need and then I offer what I can do for them to help their business um, and I make sure that it's uh, it's never about money, it's always about the service that I supply. Um, so in terms of that sort of grassroots campaign, I think that uh, it's a good idea to uh, get in with the community, join uh, local community groups. Uh, uh, what's the equivalent of Rotary around the world, Val? Is it Rotary? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I'm, so, I guess there's Rotary elsewhere. So, so, so community associations where uh, like Rotary is like the heads of business all come together uh, monthly or fortnightly to have networking meetings, basically, and uh, they do things for the community, like they raise money for the schools or they uh, send students on trips and things like that. That is a great thing as a photographer to be involved in, not to go and hand your car out but just to be involved in and see what you can do for your community and then from that you're forging relationships and uh, from that you will see that the work will come because it's uh, no like trust yes so I think you're absolutely right someone because... works no. with you they need to get to know you yeah then they like you then they trust you and then just because you happen to be the person that they see all the time at Rotary when they decide that they need photography they're going to say oh Natalie 
or Christy, who's at the Rotary Club every week and yeah. has been there. And it's a long game. It's not turn up for three weeks and expect to get a gig. No. It might be that you need to do this for a year or two for yep. no return. Yep. But then there will be a point, and someone once explained this to me, and uh, at the time I said, oh, my God, that sounds like it takes forever. They say it takes a while um, and, and it dribbles in, the work dribbles in, and then something happens and it just, like, takes off just like yeah. that. It's just like the inverse square law, Val. Yeah. Just, it There's takes a tipping off. point. There is a tipping point, but you've mm. got to be consistent and yep. be prepared to do the work and, and turn up and, and for no return for a long time. And that is across the board for anything that you do. Like raise kids, there's no return for ages. <laughs> and then at some point they turn around and they come good again and you go, oh, yeah, that was worth it. Um, you know, it's the same. You, you're bringing up a puppy for ages. It's like, oh, my God, I'm cleaning up after this. And then they turn into this, like, loving, beautiful, adoring dog and you go, that was great. Making a meal, there's mess for ages. You're chopping, you're preparing, you're doing everything. And then at the end of it, finally – you get a mm. meal, build a house, same deal. So it's a long game. However, the okay. problem is that most people give up just before the tipping point and that's what yes. I've noticed as well because yes. I belong to quite a number of networking groups and business groups and stuff like that and um, I see photographers and I'm, I'm watching one at the moment and he is, he, I mean, he's relatively new, uh, but he has been doing exactly what Gina has said, not for two years, he's probably been doing it for somewhere between a year and 18 months and he's now hitting the tipping point and I'm watching him just get jobs left right and center mm. and that's fantastic for him mm. but I've seen other photographers who um they give up just before you know they're about like like I know and I know because it's just before I'm literally about to book them and they yes. stop going. Yes. And it's like, oh, you've just missed out because, you yep. know. So I think that uh, it, it that's so true that the real-life networking, particularly for photography mm. and certainly for portrait photography, is vital. And I know that I have – and I've booked – so many photographers in my life as a, you know, as an editor and a picture editor and a deputy editor and, you know, I've booked so many photographers in my life and I've never booked a single photographer who I've never, who I've not met. No, you so, wouldn't. It's important. It's like yes. you're not going to hand over that to just – because it's not – like people who value photography um, and who are prepared to uh, pay a good price, they care about the end result and not going to just hand it over to anyone. They want to know the person and um, they want to trust them and they want to get get the good result. So it, it, it is an investment in time, but all good things are. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we probably only have time for one more question, Gina. Are we really? Uh, we still got time? I feel like well, we've gone on for hours. We, we kind of have, actually, but uh, <laughs> we, we don't want to leave out the uh, this this question. Um, and so do bear with us because, A, it's the start of the new year, <laughs> and, B, we're drinking champagne. So if we finish the recording, we'll have to stop drinking. So Matt has said... I need oh, to. Hang not... on, I'm pouring another glass now. Okay, Val. all right. Yeah, you're poor. You're poor. This is just, I... this is the, hopefully, I'll get some gold out of it. <laughs> gold Matt advice. Has... 
Matt has said, I need to not be afraid to charge what I need and what I believe my work is worth. I'm trying to build my portfolio and at the same time get paid for what I'm doing. I'm too nice when it comes to the bill. Okay. Um, That is a really good question. I think there's a couple of things here because um, Matt is saying he needs to be—he needs to not be afraid to charge what he believes his work is worth, and he's saying he's trying to build his portfolio. I actually believe there's a couple of things happening here because sometimes you want to do portfolio-related stuff that you should be doing because it's great for your portfolio, but yep. it's not necessarily commercial work. Mm. And sometimes creating that portfolio, people are doing you favors. To create right. an amazing portfolio, so you don't necessarily charging them isn't necessarily on the agenda because it's a bit a bit of quid pro quo. However, when it comes to just commercial work, um, I think that uh, then that's a very good question. I think that if you're not charging what you believe the work is worth, you will only resent the situation in the long run. So mm. it's vital for you to charge what your work is worth. So what's your take on it, Gina? All right. So um, the the fear of charging, let's let's uh, I, I encourage everyone to do this exercise. Okay. Go to your dentist. Okay. Right. So what's uh, a dentist how many years are they at dental school, Val? I don't know. Ten, eight? I don't think it's It's a long time. Okay. Ages. It's like about eight years. No, it's like it's a fair fair whack. It's like being an architect or like a doctor. It's a long time. Okay. So they go to dental school and then there's all the costs associated with that and then they've got to get the BMW because you can't be a dentist and not have a BMW. (laughs) Yeah, okay. And then, you know, the 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 nurse and the the, you know, the fit out and everything. So, next time you're at the dentist and uh he's like really he's just what's he doing for the 10 minutes? He's drilling around. It's not that hard. It's not like he's raising it. He's not like digging ditches, is he? Okay. It's not that it's not that hard what they do. So, okay. next time you're at the dentist, just go, "Hey, Dave, because that's what your dentist is called. Um, I've got a lot of friends on Instagram. <laughs> How about um, you just do my root canal for nothing and uh, I'll, uh, I'll add you to Instagram and I'll mention you and you'll get a lot of <laughs> likes. Okay. I don't think that's what Matt's asking, though. He's not saying what do you, what do you reckon doing the reaction would be. You're not good. Not good. Okay. So at the hairdresser, Val. Uh-huh. You're at the hairdresser and the hairdresser's going to cut, colour, tint, foil your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 500 bucks later. I know. I went to the hairdresser today. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like um, you go um, – I'll give you because Dave up the road is only charging two hundred. So how about I would you, would you do it for two hundred? What do you reckon the hairdresser's going to say? No. Mm. 
maybe not so politely, okay? So yeah. next time you're at the cafe and you're going for the coffee uh, and the meal and the schnitzel and the waiter comes over, you go, 1850 for a schnitzel, that's a bit rich. I'll give you $14. I th- I, I, we get the point, I think. So <laughs> all these people value yeah. what they do. Yes. Why don't photographers? There's no difference. You um, have done the training. You have the overheads. You've got the outlay, uh, the camera, the training, the overhead. You might have the studio and everything to do with it. You're providing a service. Like, you know, and and obviously, again, like being a dentist, you're sort of, you know, fidgeting around in people's mouth. And, again, it's not like you're digging a ditch and people who see photographers working honestly – Anyone who's never been a photographer thinks that even my kids think that I do nothing all day. But, Gina, I'm just going to stop you there because um, I totally understand what you're saying, particularly if a photographer has 10, 20 years' experience. But there are some people out there who have discovered photography to photography only recently and they don't have the six or eight or ten years that a dentist has or whatever and that uh, this ties in with imposter syndrome of course yeah and so it is a little bit of a different scenario yes especially if you are new to a profession if you are new um i actually believe that if you're shooting folio then you shouldn't um, charge for that ever because um, what what you would want if you were shooting folio is you would want to get um, uh, you, uh, to own the shots um, right. yeah. and uh, rights to the shots. That's, that's very important if you're shooting folio. Yeah. Um, then if you're uh, building yourself up as a, a new photographer, then uh, you charge accordingly. So I, char- I started charging uh, cost when I first started shooting, so to, to, to build up my folio. But I made sure that every month, every month I put my prices up so that, uh, you know, I quickly got to the point where after um, uh, several years in the uh, industry, I wasn't charging what someone who was, you know, 20, 10, 15 years in was charging, but I was charging enough to, uh, to, to cover uh, – to feel to not resent it, Val. To, to yeah. quote you, okay. Yeah. And so that's important. But you need to get over that hurdle very quickly. And uh, basically, my point is to value the uh, the work that you do and the work that you have, um, and to start off uh, slowly, ease your way in. Don't charge for folio because that's important. You're building the shots and uh, it's an important way to network and connect with people. And the reason I say to do folio for free is that you say exactly that, I'm shooting folio. If you want to hire me, it's different. Mm. I will charge you for that because you don't want to be known as the free or the cheap photographer yeah. because once you come in as the cheap or the free photographer, it's very hard to get out of that mold. Yeah. It's very hard. So I would rather do something for free and, and call it folio rather mm. than say I'll do it for cheap because they'll keep you at that – They'll they'll – They'll just you'll just be named the cheap photographer forever. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great advice. Definitely. I think that um, that's that's it's really important to understand also that um, uh, you. One of the things that I notice people do, and I think it's a bad idea, and in fact, um, a mutual friend of ours, Gina, has done this recently, is they feel that they need to justify their value, and I don't feel that that's necessarily necessary i think that you need to determine the price that a you are going to be happy with and b you are not going to resent they're vital because if you get commissioned on that price you're you're gonna be happy and you're not gonna resent it so it's exactly it's it's a positive right and and um, always sorry val no 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 it's okay i was just gonna say that if you feel that you are justifying it you're justifying it to what you value your work is and they may or may not value your work the same way and you know what you're not necessarily going to change your mind change their mind just it's it's kind of like here's the amount and it's kind of like take it or leave it in a very polite and respectful way of course but this is what i charge and you don't need i i never justify my prices ever no um, I, I just say that what they are and um, obviously I tell people what they'll get for that and yes. it's up to them whether they like it or they don't. And I, I feel that's really important because I feel that if I ever go in in a scenario where I'm justifying, then mm. I'm already behind the eight ball. Exactly. Mm. And I think you said something really important, Val, that I just wanted to touch on before we finish. Um, mm. I think uh, – the, the the most important thing you need to do as a photographer when you're opening uh, a discussion with a prospective client is to lead with what you can offer that client. What service, what are you going to bring to the table? Leave the discussion about money to the end and first yeah. make sure that you are interested in them and that you lead with, okay, tell me about what you need and yeah. then offer them what you can do for them and that's yeah. the most important thing and to listen carefully and um, explain what you're going to do and I actually uh, offer that freely with every uh, new client that I have the, that, that's the first conversation what do you need and then I offer them my um, my strategy and my advice obviously I'm not going to um, give them shot ideas uh, and, and until like you know there's a contract signed but I'll say like you know here's what I'm thinking here's where I think this should go um, you know if you're interested we'll, we'll, we'll talk uh, after that but like it's 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 how can I serve? What can I do for you? How can I help you? And focus on what qualities you're going to bring to them as a photographer rather than um, this is how cheap I can do it for because yeah. if you're going to you know, be the one who talks about money and lead yeah. with that, um, it's, 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 it's always going to be about the money and it's not about the quality of the job and what you That's can do right. with them. So, so use that as an opportunity to open with that. This is what I can give you. This is what – these are my strengths. Here's my specialties. This is what I'll do for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I never open with price. I always kind of talk exactly what you just said and only once I know that they're sold in effect yeah. then I talk price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great. There you great. Go. 
Great advice, Gina. All right, fantastic. Well, we have gone a bit over time this particular episode. Sorry, don't drink and podcast. No. All right. So, but thank you very much for indulging us and we hope that you have found it useful, particularly to, you know, set the foundations for 2017. Uh, We want to say the big happy new year to everybody Um, Mm. and a couple of things that I'd just like to bring to everyone's attention. Make sure you sign up to Gina's newsletter, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. It's awesome. Even though I've known Gina for a million years, I still learn stuff every single newsletter because of the way, the unique way. She explains things. Uh, If you are not already a member of the gold community, make sure you check it out and think about it for this year because I know for myself that one of the things I've decided for 2017, this is just my personal Uh thing, is it is very much a year of learning from mentors. And I say mentors S with a plural because there are different areas of my life that I want to learn from. So I want to go to the best I can find in that particular area. You know what I mean? Whether that's photography, I'm very lucky that, you know, I learn from you all the time, which is fantastic, or whether it's some other form of art or craft or whether it's business or whether it's bodyboarding or whether it's whatever, I've decided that I want to learn from a variety of different mentors. And uh, uh, you know, you're going to do bodyboarding, Val. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, I'm already. Is that what you were in the surf for the other day? Yeah, I'm already learning from a world champion bodyboarder. Only, of course you are. It's not, it's not enough for you to just go down the beach like everyone else and just get in and get dumped. No, you've got to hire a world champion. But this is your fault. Oh my god. It's your fault because I've realized how beneficial it is to learn from a photographer of your (laughs) standard. (laughs) Well, you're not teaching me bodyboarding, Gina. You're teaching me photography. You're going to be a world champion bodyboarder now. No, but I'm not necessarily becoming a, you know, a a global photographer. Body surfing. Huh? Like, that's so, like, you can't really. Interrupting me. me. I'm so sorry, but this is bizarre. Why is this bizarre? I can't believe you're body surfing. Body boarding. Body boarding. So that's body surfing. Is it not the same thing? You know what a body board is? Like a boogie board. You know what a body board is? It's not a surfboard. It's the other thing. It's like a... a boogie board is a boogie board. A body board is where you body surf, isn't it? No, hence the word board. Duh. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, look, we digress. I'm My point, Sorry. the point I'm trying to make, dear listeners, is that if you want to learn a particular thing, learn from somebody who's quality. While I am learning bodyboarding from a world champion bodyboarder, I have had the privilege. Shut up, Gina. I have had the privilege (laughs) of learning from a world-class photographer, photography from a world-class photographer. And you also have that opportunity if you would like to have a look at the gold community. And please do. Uh, It's at ginamalisha.com. Okay, I'm just going to give up right now, Gina. Um, we'll just talk about bodyboarding then. 
<laughs> what is your problem? I'm going to drink more champagne. That's it. I'm pouring like, some more now. I'm pouring like, more. Just goes to caca if you let me drink through the show. I lose my manners. I'm so sorry, listeners. You're probably She's all left. There's manners. probably no one listening anymore, There's probably Val. no one left. has gone to work. Oh, look, it's just, it's just you and I it's then. Just Let's face. just keep on drinking. We just keep going and yeah. keep drinking and, yeah. uh, you know. And talk t- about test. bodyboarding. There's been no one here. I can't believe you're learning to bodyboard. Why? Like, what the like hell? Why? 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 Where did that come? Like, you cage fight and you bodyboard. Who are you? What's wrong with that? But it, there's nothing wrong with it. But there's like, if someone said, okay, what do you reckon Valerie would do next? There is like, that would be answer number 7,474 <laughs> bodyboarding. Well, the- I am. Yeah, but, like, it's so random. I would put learning well, how to crochet above bodyboarding. Well, speaking you. of that, I Tell was me looking. you're going to learn to crochet now close, too and my very head's close. going to explode. No, listen, very close. So very, very close. I was looking at um, the work of this uh, weaver. Like she does these amazing weaving and I thought, oh, my God, that's amazing. And she, it's just like it really spoke to me. It's just beautiful. And I thought to myself, I'd like to do that. And and I'm like, you know what, what the hell, what have I got to lose? I emailed, I texted her. I found her phone number because I'm quite good with Google. I found her phone number and I texted her and this is it, it, this text series of texts occurred over the last probably 10 days or so but um I thought I love this weaving I would love to weave like that and I basically asked her asked her would she one-on-one um mentor me and we're gonna do it next week our first session is next week so you have a weaving mentor, yeah. a boarding mentor, mentor, and a kick-fighting yeah. mentor. Cage-fighting. Cage-fighting mentor. Yeah, and a, that is a, the, what else? <laughs> what else? So the other day I went on this um, <laughs> um, there's this thing, it's called an artist trail. You go to different art studios. You know studios. there's no one listening now. They're all <laughs> no gone one's home. Listening. Honestly, no, like if anyone's is... still here, honestly, <laughs> I'm so sorry that you're bored. There is no Gina challenge. You can <laughs> go now. Really, like, there isn't one. Drink more champagne <laughs> is the Gina challenge and boogie board and weave and freaking. What so, else are you doing? <laughs> Uh, well, like, so, um, uh, like, you know, this is, we've never done an episode this long, but so what happened was I went on this thing, it's called an artist's (laughs) trial and, um, you, you go to different artist studios, you know, different artist studios ranging from sculpture to, um, uh, jewelry making to, uh, uh, to paint, to mixed media, to whatever. Right. Um, to photography as well. But, you know, I already have the best photography mentor in the world, so I do not need uh, uh, another one besides they don't even compare. But 
I went to this particular artist studio and I just was like, oh my God, I really love this artwork. And I and I purchased one because so, it was so right. beautiful, right? And it's at home now. It's I uh-huh. hung it up. I thought, oh my God, like this is so beautiful. And I thought, what the hell? I'm just gonna ask him. And I said, so, will you be my mentor? You're yes. like that duck that goes around going, are you my mother? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? It's like everyone you meet. Mick Jagger, will you be my mentor? Yeah, Mick Jagger's mentoring me. I'm going to be a rolling stone now. Well, and why then not? I met- so, like, you know, with my body, body mentor, he's even, like, given me, like, how nice is this? Uh, a bodyboard, not just a bodyboard, but a bodyboard that has body gone on a world tour who, that has surfed in Chopu and Pipeline and Bells and Je- everywhere. Like, how cool is that? Oh, my God, I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speechless. <laughs> no words, Valerie Koo. So, but sorry, back to the most recent one. That that he's a he does art, but with paper. Oh, it's called origami. No, well, that's one kind of thing, but it's not just origami. So, I've already had my first drawing. lesson. <laughs> art no, no, with paper and a pen yeah. drawing. You know, like paper sculptures that aren't quite origami, but I've had my first lesson and I've bought. I've already gone to the art shop and bought like my supplies. What do you make? Paper plane? What do you make? Um, I made like oh, a variety of things. You can do paper embossing. You Why can don't do... you make a paper boogie board? Gina, this is getting silly now. That's just silly. <laughs> okay. That's just silly. Yeah, no, because it wouldn't float, Val. You're just being silly now. Okay, should I we go. Th- I think. Is it time to go? <laughs> like, honestly, we should go and put everyone out of their misery because we're just going to dribble on for hours now. Because I got nothing, and I'm actually feeling like a bit inferior. Like, like I should be now getting. 14 mentors or something. <laughs> no, but, but, but. I don't have any. No, no, no. Let me make this point, actually, is that in. Was there a point to all of this? Because this no, went, this this is went an, for 20 minutes. This, this is you were a new talking point. about the community and we've gone on 20 <laughs> tangents. Well, you interrupted me, can I yeah, just I'm say? I'm so that's sorry. Why. I'm very rude, but it's the champagne. I can't help myself. Okay, that's fine. So what happened was, uh, what's happened is over the last two to three years, you know, because I do my own sort of keynote speaking and that sort of thing. So I have kind of been in a position where I have been the mentor and I still am. I mentor, I have my own membership community of um, uh, writers and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I have been a mentor for quite some time and people seek me out to be a mentor. But when you are in that situation, you can sometimes get into a scenario where you're meant to know all this stuff and you do about your chosen area. But... Um, that kind of carries through in other areas of life where you you kind of stop being the student. So I made a conscious choice to be the student in um, a whole in a whole range of different areas, including obviously photography. Are, are you just like in the kitchen now, like microwaving something or <laughs> no, stacking? Just, you're stacking the dishwasher. I just poured 
got the drink. I'm so sorry. I'm drinking I'm totally now. I'm listening. <laughs> no, you're not. On that note, I think we're going to end this week's episode. So, Gina. Okay, we just forget about hashtag Gina Challenge. Gina, where do we find you? How can I, like, like, I, I have what? no words, Valerie Koo. Right, you fine. have 100 mentors. Okay, that's fine. You just, where do we find you online, Gina? I'm going to end this episode. Gina, Malish, have I hurt your feelings, Valerie? <laughs> we can't start the year like on a bad note like that. It's very great. It was like lovely to hear about all the amazing things that you're learning. Hmm. I'm okay. inspired, Valerie. Well, I told you it's your fault. What? It's yeah, I know. Because okay. I get so much out of what I learned from you with photography. I figure, why not? Um, do that in other aspects of life as well. Yeah, but you know how I'm competitive? You want to learn how to do weaving? No. You want to bodyboard in the – I feel like I the... need a mentor now in okay. something completely like I have to find something so random and so unexpected and get a ballet mentor. <laughs> All right. I am going to become a prima ballerina. I'm going – okay, Gina is clearly – I am going to find – what's talking. that guy with the hot legs that like Annie Leibovitz, her Brits shot him, Mikhail Baryshnikov. Baryshnikov. I'm going to find him. Is he still right. alive? He is. He's going to be my ballerina mentor and okay, I'm going to be – Okay, stop. You're now that getting is not silly. A ridicu- that is just as ridiculous as you boogie boarding. It's not it's ridiculous. Not- okay, stop, stop. What? We're going to end the episode. And what I we're, can't be no, a prima what, ballerina? No, no. What we're going to do is we'll discuss this Therefore, offline. We'll go on home, Valerie. There's We've, no one listening we'll at this, this point. Listen you to me. You don't need to worry about anyone listening. They cut out an hour ago. We'll discuss Seriously. this. Offline Once and we have next listeners left. Next episode, <laughs> we'll report back on what Sober. your chosen, yeah, on what your chosen mentor vocation, yeah, your chosen mentor and vocation is. Okay, so <clears throat> listeners, I'm not even going to ask Gina to say where we're going to find her online. I'm just going to say Happy New Year, Happy New Year, welcome <laughs> to 2017. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for sticking if with us. If anyone's still here. If anyone's stuck still with us listening. for this long, and we look forward to hey, chatting. Did you have a code to... word to test anyone who listened to the end? Oh yeah, ping us on social media if you if listen you to, to the this end. Point, give give and... them a prize; they deserve one. I Mallory's don't know going what... to give you her autograph woogie board. I don't know what the prize is yet, but just <laughs> ping us on social media. Body There'll board. Be a prize. Body board. Body board. Yeah. And we will know. Hashtag bodyboard right. and we'll know that, oh, my God, you got to hear and respect. We for- respect. We look forward to chatting to you again next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.